This episode of Pop Punk and Pizza is sponsored by the band Cheer Up Dusty and their upcoming infectious new single called Late Bloomer. clip of Late Bloomer by Cheer Up Dusty. It's going to be available on all streaming platforms come March 12th. Make sure you follow Cheer Up Dusty on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cheer Up Dusty. I'm going out. I gotta go. I'll bang a ring on the radio. So turn it up. I'm telling you. Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamour. Hello, welcome. I'm so glad you could make it today. I'm Jacques Lamour, and honestly, before recording this intro, I was trying to come up with the words to say to present today's guest to you. And I, I literally found it impossible to come up with the right words because our guest on this episode really, I feel like, needs no introduction. Everyone on the planet knows who this guy is. Whether you just know his name, you know that he's from No Effects. You know that he's head honcho over at Fat Records. You know all these things. It doesn't matter, I feel like, what genre of music you're into or what genre of rock, subgenre of rock music you're into. You know who he is. Uh, he's one of the most legendary and influential punk rockers to walk the face of the earth, and that is Fat Mike of No Effects and Fat Records. Um, I, I gotta tell you, I haven't been this nervous for an interview in a really long time, and with that being said, it was a bit of a challenge for me, but in a good way, and Mike was easy to talk to, and he was very open to talk about anything so thank you for that, Mike, if uh, you are listening. So No Effects, they just dropped their 14th studio album entitled Single Album via Fat Records on February 26th. However, this interview actually took place a week, I believe it was a week before that. So we dive into some of the song meanings on the new album, What Sober Life is like now for Mike because he is sober currently. And he answers some fan questions. He also dishes out some pretty cool details about a special project he's working on with several other members of the punk rock community. And obviously we dive into so many other things as well, but that's just kind of like a tip of the iceberg. So let's give a warm welcome to Fat Mike of No Effects. Then I said, fuck euphemism, sis, but fuck my sis, or hypocritical, political, correctness ain't legit, I mean it, fuck euphemism, I say what I want to say, I own that LBTTQ, So, you know, talking about uh, the new record and the reworking of your classic song, Linoleum, I know you listen to so many different uh, bands covering the song on YouTube, and I was wondering, like, what were some of your favorite ones that you came across, or like, one of the most like obscure ones, like you know, someone doing like a piano cover or like a like a a 
different instrument that people don't really normally play, you know? Well, you know, I, uh, I did watch a lot of them, but I watched them about a year and a half ago. Uh, maybe even two, two and a half years ago. So I don't remember what my favorite ones, what my favorite versions were. I do like seeing, uh, like the, the younger kids playing it on acoustic guitar. There were quite a, a lot of like, teenage girls playing it, which I, I didn't really expect that. No. I expect a lot of uh, male-fronted punk bands from Indonesia. So seeing uh, women sing it, it's just it sounds really beautiful to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something you wouldn't expect. Yeah, one girl, I don't recall her name, she, had, she, made, it, she made a chorus into it. You know, she sang the linoleum part twice, which is funny because what makes that song unique is that there is no chorus. <laughs> yeah. But she, but she, I guess she couldn't handle not playing it without a chorus. So I thought that was pretty cool. Huh. But yeah, there was, there was too many bands. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, very few of the versions I watched all the way through too. But uh, yeah, it was about two years ago when I really, when I watched everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like you said, that's that's been some time ago, and it really is. It, it still kind of blows my mind. Uh, Linoleum being NoFX's most well-known song, because you know, as you pointed out, there's no chorus, and I know it. It wasn't like a, a big radio hit, and there was there wasn't a music video to go along with it, right? Right. So what and, what do you think we, makes we, it we so special? It. You didn't promote it uh, either. I, I just think it's all those things. It's, uh, you know, it's got this great beginning that really builds up into this, uh, I don't know, just a, a, lot, a huge level of excitement. And, but you don't get right. There's no rhymes in the song either. And the story is not a big, bold story. It's just a little story about, you know, a little man, uh, sleeping on a kitchen floor. So it, it really, the only thing it's full of is just emotion and it's not grandiose. It's just, but the song sounds like such a huge song, but the lyrics are real small. So I don't know. It's just the thing. It's just different than other songs. You can't, you really say, Oh yeah, the only, it sounds just like this other song. It doesn't. So if people want to play something unique, they can cover that song and it does not sound like other songs in their set. Yeah, I think, and and the fact that it has no chorus, I think really makes it stand out. And I, I guess it could be the fact that it's the f- first song off of of that album. You know, like maybe that has something to do with it. It's like the the first song. I mean that that was when a lot. No, of... it's, it's not the first song. It's not the first song because uh, it's just the, the kind of song it is. Because we have other songs that were very popular that don't have choruses, like Bob, uh, and I mean just tons, too too many to count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have a lot of first songs on albums. And Punk and Drublik, although it was our biggest album, you know, especially these days, people want to hear other albums more than they want to hear Punk and Drublik. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it to me that's just like the um, that's just the beginning. You know, it's just the start. There's so many. Um, obviously, you, you're up to what fourteen now, fourteen albums, and there's so many amazing ones to come after Punk and Drublik. 
yeah, and you know, I, I was like, our new album is pretty good too. And we're recording. Uh, we already started recording for a new album, which is coming out this year. I was wondering if you were going to have another record coming out, just because I feel like that's uh, a common trend with the pandemic going on. That's about all bands can do. Right, and uh, I've been sober for uh, a few months now, and the only thing that, not the only thing that makes me happy, but <laughs> every day I like to write songs. So, you know, I have uh, 41 new songs that I'm working on. Wow. So it's just, uh, it's a shame if, I mean, why not record them now? Right. Yeah. Especially since it's, it's during such a, uh, like a, I would say a, a very special time in your life right now. Um, with, with what being mean, a couple of months sober at this well, point. I mean, I was, I did, I did three months sober like five years ago mm -hmm. and I always do, you know, a few weeks sober or a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this time, you know, I, I had, I had uh, some really bad stomach issues. I had, uh, the H. pylori bacteria, and uh, it took me out. So I just decided to, to spend a year sober instead of just a few months. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of cool. But, w but one thing it's doing for me is uh, I'm not writing about so many crazy things because I'd write, I'd write a lot of crazy things in the middle of the night or at five in the morning, you know, when you're doing drugs, you're up and your mind starts to go weird places. So it is cool to, to write songs like that. Like our new album was all written when I was wasted in the middle of the night and recorded. But now I have all this saved up material in my brain and all these ideas to write songs about. So writing with a clear head is, is more unique for me now. So it's been a, makes me uh helps me more prolific and, and i'm digging it so for for example like what what are some of these sober songs like where is it what kind of path has it taken you down uh i'm just I think uh, like usually you know writing riffs and, and melodies is easy for me that just comes like i can write you know 10 a day coming up with something an idea of what to sing about that is unique and no one's heard before that's what takes so long. And I'm not having a hard time with it at all. Uh, but damn, now I have to think of what I'm writing about. <laughs> There's probably so many things that you could pick out currently. Uh, there's one about, uh, I don't like to give away too much either. I'm rewriting, <laughs> writing uh, a song called Lies and Louise Reprise, which, uh, which is fun. I don't want to give away this next title because the title is so good. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. I, I respect that. <laughs> you don't want to give it all away. Um, but so writing sober, I mean, what, what do you find yourself? Yeah. If I give away my song titles right now, people will know what the song's about. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I've been writing about, I'm um, finding, uh, more metaphors and more uh, really cool uh, connections of, with words and ideas. So I've been singing, I sing something which sounds like I'm saying this, but I'm actually saying something else. That's why I don't want to give away my song titles because it gives it away. Sure. 
Sure. I, I understand. You, you hear the song title and you think I'm singing about this. <laughs> you hear the song and you think I'm singing about that. Mm-hmm. And then you read the lyrics and you go, oh shit, he's singing about something else. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like yeah. a big mind fuck. It, it is, which is what our last album is. I mean, Linoleum is a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the uh, fuck euphemism is a mind fuck, you know, because it's sung fuck you euphemism but you hear the fuck you you don't so it's like you have to hear the song and that's why we made a lyric video out of that song because if you don't read the lyrics it's kind of hard to tell what i'm singing about and uh not really hard but it was an important song to show lyrics yeah. so i'm just writing i'm just making weird song writing connections with words and ideas that i've that I've done before, but they're just flowing really well right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's it's a lot more on the personal level since you've been more open about like what your life is actually like. Um, you know, having to be more open about being a cross dresser and things like that. You're actually it's almost like you're finally able to get those things out on in a song. Is that part of right. it? Right. I did sing about it in Sam's Best Light. Uh, that was when I first came out in the song, but this one, you know, I talk about doing a line off uh, Scarlett's hundred thousand dollar cunt. So you know, that's some personal shit. <laughs> I'm doing drugs off a, of a tr- uh, transgender dominatrix's man-made pussy. So how hard is that? Is that really, uh, hard, is, or is it easy? It's much harder <laughs> because there's no literal hood. You know, usually you, you do the cocaine off the off the clit. You know, off the hood. And she's got no hood. In fact, the whole the whole unit is more like a, a car hood. You know, it's just smooth and uh, pretty pretty f- fabulous looking too. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, because she uh, she didn't get a discount job. You know, mm-hmm. she didn't go she didn't go to the local clinic. Uh, she got a hundred thousand dollar surgery, and uh, which the government paid for because she was. She was a a Marine who got shot in Kosovo. Got shot right in the back. Which is kind of, I I find that interesting that the military would be okay with paying for that surgery. Like you wouldn't think they would be okay with that. I don't think they were okay with it, but I think, uh, but it happened. And probably because she got shot and she, you know, she was injured pretty badly that, she was more likely to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, thank God us because, uh, she got a good one. <laughs> and I'm, I'm now you have a great song out of it too. Right. Right. So, and, you know, which is why you want to really do anything out of the ordinary so you can write about it. Right. Exactly. So that, that's kind of like the peep, the, the part that people maybe can have like a, a little chuckle about, but like in all that song is, is, a pretty serious topic matter. And I really like your idea of just the, the whole per thing person. The per thing's good, right? Yeah, it's great. I really like that. The per is very important. It's, you know, someone wrote, uh, me, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram and said, you know, and gave me shit for, fucking with people's right to use whatever terminology they want to. I'm like, dude, uh, 
people can use whatever terminology they want to. I'm just, I just put this forward for, hey, check this, check this terminology out. It works pretty well. You can call yourself they or them. That doesn't bother me. It might be confusing to a lot of people. Here, I give you this word, which is less confusing. Yeah. But it really does the job of describing someone who does not want to be described. I don't consider myself to be a woman. I just, I get very feminine sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, especially in the bedroom, uh, when I'm with my partner, she happens to uh, really like me to be feminine. When we first started going out and having sex, you know, once I was wearing a dress and the second time I wasn't wearing a dress and she said, uh, can you stop for a second? Can you put back on like a skirt or something? Because I really like having sex with you being, being feminine. Uh, it's, I, I don't like aggressive males. Uh, I really love your cock, but I like fucking you feminine. Mm. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, she totally supports what I'm about. It's not even supporting. You know, I've always had women that support that. She prefers it when we're having sex. So, mm-hmm. yeah, how cool is that? Right. I mean that <clears throat> that that works out really well for you. So, yeah. So for both of us, right. she didn't even know. She she didn't know. She was she always dated guys, but uh, she never felt so secure and safe, you know, as being with me. So that was, you know, guys, guys can be real jerks and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's creepy. Guys are just creepy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, that's for damn sure. So, so that was something new for her as well. Yeah. So at at what, when did you start thinking about cross-dressing? Oh, since I was little, you know, the, uh, I was, I think I was 11 or 12 when the first time, you know, I was looking at porn, I was looking at my mom's porn and hustler and she had one magazine called Cox and Cunts, just gross. And, uh, (laughs) penthouse. And then I found a book, penthouse variations. And there was a story in there about, uh, a woman who cross-dressed her husband and dominated him and, uh, did bad things to him and always made him dress feminine under his clothes. And I jerked off for that for like six months. That was my the first thing that ever gave me a boner. So that's how long I didn't I didn't cross dress very much because it's it was too hard for me because I didn't want anyone to know. Uh, but it's always been in my head. When at, at what point were you like, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm sick of having this closed up, I'm going to start putting this out there. When, when was that moment that you were like, okay, this needs to happen? Uh, when I was, I was 45 and I was in Luxembourg and I was going to the show and me and, uh, my wife, Soma Snake Oil, Soma Snake Oil, we're about to go out to a nice restaurant before the show. And I was wearing a pink slip in the room and, uh, she's like, she said, that looks great on you. And, I said, I'm, I think I'm going to play the show tonight in this. And she's like, really? In public? I go, yeah, why not? And then she goes, well, so let's go. And I go, dinner too? She's like, yeah, oh yeah, you're right, it's a dinner too. So 
I walked out, I had my leather jacket on and my dress and walked down the street and people were looking at me like I haven't been looked at since I was, you know, a teenage punk rocker. <laughs> you know, people don't look at punk rockers now, it's normal, but. Right. Uh, and in the restaurant, you know, I got a lot of looks and I liked it. I felt like, I felt punk again. So that was about uh, eight or nine years ago. And that's when I was completely free. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Fat Mike of No Effects so far. Just a quick reminder to please show some love and support to today's sponsor, which is pop punk band Cheer Up Dusty. They're uh, straight out of Philadelphia, and they have a super catchy new single that's dropping on March 12th called Late Bloomer. And I'll play a clip of the song once again for you at the end of this episode. You can follow Cheer Up Dusty on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cheer Up Dusty. So that way you don't uh, miss when Late Bloomer officially drops, just in case you uh, happen to forget come March 12th. Let's get back to Fat Mike of NoFX. So when, when that happened, what were... What were the reactions of ever like did you, did your bandmates know about this at the time? Uh, well, they knew how kinky I was mm-hmm. because you know I get kinky in the back lounge on the bus all the right. time. Uh, yeah, one time Hefe, uh, someone was smoking a cigarette. You're not allowed to smoke on the bus, so he kind of barged in the back door because he knew how to uh, get the lock open. And I was wearing thigh high boots and a corset, and he's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> I was I was totally mortified because you know my band knew I was kinky, but they never actually saw me. Yeah, they just knew like, "Oh yeah, he's he's kinky," and that and that's really as much as they knew. Yeah, and that night uh, in Luxembourg. When I got to the show, a couple guys in Lagwagon were like, what the fuck, Mike? And Joey was like, shut up. I think you look good, Mike. And that was pretty cool. But it was it's weird. Like, even some of the bands were not comfortable with it. And then uh, and, and after a few shows, I started wearing dresses, like, every night because I really liked it. And somebody was like, are you going to be doing this all the time? I mean, you know, we do have an image and stuff. So that was a little disappointing for me. Wow. Yeah. That's that's really kind of surprising, actually. Just because, like, w- from what you just said, like, you felt, you almost felt like you were, not that you never weren't punk rock, but, like, it kind of was almost just like a, like, the second level of punk rock. I don't know. Like, obviously, doing something that different, it, it, that's, like, the most punk rock thing you can do, right? Right, but there's certain things that go too far, and and Smelly, I, I agree with him because he was right. You know, we will lose fans because of my femininity, uh, because it just makes certain people very uncomfortable. Just like we lose fans when I when I talk shit about you know about people believing in God. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, years I used to say, "Does anyone here believe in God?" And people would raise their hand, and I would say, "Well, you're wrong." And what the fuck are you doing at this show if you're that stupid? You know, I'll say stuff like that. That loses us fans too. So any of those moves are not good business decisions. You know, uh, if you look at the comments under fuck euphemism on YouTube, you see that many people 
you know, the majority, 90% of people are really stoked. They love the song. They love the lyrics. I've never been praised in my life for lyrics this much before. People really like the lyrics. But there's 10% of people that are really pissed off. And, you know, this is a, this is worse than Blink-182. And what the fuck are you, have you guys turned into? And you don't get that kind of hate when you just sing songs that people expect. And I can't keep writing songs people expect. That's not, that's not what I'm about. But, uh, yeah, putting this song on the record, we will lose fans. That's okay, because I'd rather lose fans than become stale. Yeah, and you're going to gain new fans from this. Trying to. We might, but I'm not interested in gaining new fans. I'm interested in being a better band and having our fans continue to support us and like mm-hmm. us. Getting I, new fans is not... Uh, that's not why I did this. It's to, right. to keep being a band people can depend on for great albums mm-hmm. and and just to be completely real yeah say things that other people are too scared to say or haven't thought of before yeah that's that's something that i feel like no effects has always excelled at all the time you know that's that's the fucking that's the goal yeah that's the trick is yeah. to stay relevant keep your records relevant it makes me so happy you know the reviews I get the feedback I'm getting back on this album is so good. It's so good for my heart too. Uh, a lot of the reviewers and interviewers who have heard the album really, you know, they would say, shit, you guys, you did it again. You put out a new album that is surprising. Still sounds like no effects, but there's, but it's surprising. You don't think it doesn't sound like you recycled anything. And I mean, I'm sure hearing that um, at this stage in your career is just, um, it must make you feel kind of relieved. Relieved and just, it makes, it, it makes, it's just, I, I couldn't be happier. Seeing how this record is, is being uh, listened to and seeing how much it means to some people is, well, just, I'm in a good mood every day now. <laughs> That's so, awesome. You know, I, I spent, I spent a long time on this album and, and cut it down from being a double album and what's left, you know, I'm really proud of him. And if people didn't like it, I wouldn't be devastated, but I'd be bummed. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, but I'm just, sorry. Go ahead. I just, so I'm, I'm very happy with, with how it's going. Well, I'm happy to hear that. It makes, makes me happy to hear that. Cause I, I feel like you deserve it. Um, especially after, you know, it, it's not an easy thing, even though you've always put your opinions out there. That doesn't mean it's easy to do, you know, um, and no, it's not, especially since this is this isn't like talking about God and how you don't believe in God. This is you, you know, like actually you and not just like a, a religion. So it's uh, it's so personal. Yeah. Yeah, my band is actually, they, they've given me a little shit about, hey, how can we to write songs about things and ideas and weird stories and parables? And I'm like, uh, because I'm just digging deep uh, for content. And, you know, I've learned so much about myself over the past few years that why not, why not use that well if there's still water in it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
Let's get to some fan questions, if uh, you don't mind, before we before we close out. Is that cool? Sure. sure. Cool. Um, so uh, Scott Johnson wants to know more about uh, your musical. Um, it's called Home Street Home, right? Right. And uh, that was originally supposed to premiere last year. Um, and wh- what I, I honestly, I don't think I, I knew about this until he mentioned it. And maybe I didn't know about it because of the pandemic, but I'd be interested to know more about this too. Well, it's a, it's a musical that I've been working on for, geez, maybe 12 years now. And, you know, we opened in San Francisco in 2014 and a Broadway producer saw it, uh, signed us up. And then we moved to uh, the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Connecticut and worked on it for quite a while with a great cast. And then we uh, we did a few showings in, at Martha's Vineyard in Connecticut and in New York. And we kept working on it because, you know, it, uh, Kevin McComb signed it and he did Rant and Avenue Q as well as, you know, dozens, dozens of more shows. So, uh, and what happened is, uh, you know, somewhere along the line, he just kept wanting to make it more and more mainstream and I wouldn't do it. So we spent four years working on it and, uh, and then we broke, uh, you know, broke ties with him. And I came back to LA and, uh, showed it to some people and, uh, Gary Marshall Theater loved it, wanted to do a four-month run with it in L.A. Uh, we're getting the cast together, and then COVID happened. So uh, it was pretty devastating. I've never worked so hard on anything. Uh, I mean, there's there's 104 songs for that that were whittled down to 23 songs. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, and the script, you know, we, we spent years on the script. And you know, when we finally broke with everyone, uh, I just rewrote the script myself, did some readings, and uh, people loved it. So it, it just kills me that no one has seen it, and no one will for a while. So I just, but I had to move on. Right. And it, it will open, and uh, it's actually being shopped as a series right now. That's you know, awesome. To Netflix and Hulu, I turned it into a series too. Yeah, may as well at this point. Well, yeah, because the characters are really. Uh, rich characters and digging deeper into their histories and childhoods. Cause it's about, it's about uh, kids on the street. So there's lots of room to make it into, you know, an, uh, a 10 part series. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what exactly, what, when you were talking about mainstream, what exactly was he trying to, to do to make it more mainstream? Uh, is trying to make it less offensive. And I think, and I think that people want, it wasn't offensive to be offensive. We're just showing truths. Mm-hmm. And truth is, uh, you know, like he would, he would say stuff like who's doing these, their laundry and they don't have clean sheets ever. Someone's got to clean the sheets. Some we're like, dude, these are squatters. <laughs> uh, and he's like, he, just, he wanted it. He wanted people to understand and relate to it. Mm-hmm. And I want people want to see something they've never seen before. They want to see a world they've never seen before. Yeah. So uh, what we thought was going to sell just, uh, I, I couldn't deal with it anymore because he just wouldn't let it go. 
And since he was producer, he wasn't allowed to change anything, but he had the power to not open us. And that's what happened. He just kept putting us back, telling us to work on it more. And so, you know, it really ruined my marriage with Soma uh, because we fought so much. And, you know, the other writer we were working with was Jeff Marks from Avenue Q. It ruined our relationship with him. And uh, it just, it turned into uh, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Well, hopefully it, it comes back and it ends up being the best thing that's ever happened to you. Right. That would be nice. But as long as it gets, as long as it opens, um, I'm happy as shit. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm working, I'm talking to two producers right now that are, actually have a call later today, who are interested in, they're like really big producers mm-hmm. in in Hollywood. And there's two very interested, which is always better because I can get the best deal, not the only deal. <laughs> right. Yeah. To, it's always better to have options. Um, let's see. Uh, Brenton Harris wants to know if you've had any awkward conversations since the no effects book, hepatitis bathtub came out. Have I had any awkward conversations? Yeah. With who? <laughs> I, I think he just, I don't know if he necessarily means with a, a certain person or maybe just maybe some no, of the I, people that are the only person that, that, there, there could be an awkward conversation with is my daughter. And I told her when she's eight, when she turns 18, she's never allowed to read the book. So, you know, hopefully she won't read it. So she hasn't read it. No. Okay. I, I had thought that she did read it. it, Because in linoleum, I say, I say that. Okay. Actually not true, but I know some of her friends have read it. Okay. It it keeps me up at night because (laughs) Yeah. Right. How could it I don't not? I want her to know all those things about me. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's like, how, how, how is that going to affect your relationship and, and things like that? That's a big, that's a big one. I, I would feel the same way. Yeah, we're actually very close. She tells me everything because I've always been so honest with her. So I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's just kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, Alex wants to know what your inspiration for uh, monosyllabic girl um, off so long and thanks for all the shoes. He wants to know what your inspiration for that song was. Well, it's, it, the correct pronunciation is monosyllabic girl. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, of, really I often no, screw up that one. <laughs> not really any inspiration, but uh, I don't remember who it was, but someone in a band had his girlfriend with us, you know, at dinner or something. And she really didn't say anything more than yes. Or yeah, please. Uh, great. So she, you know, she's spoken in single syllables. So I just wrote a song about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin wants to know how, how did uh, Avenge Sevenfold come into the picture with being, being friends and uh, being in, in some of the, the new videos. Uh, that, that's really strange because it's just, I played on the warp tour. I played poker with them and, uh, the singer, mm, his name is, mm, he's a great poker player. And, uh, we started playing online and then we started golfing together sometimes some tournaments and just, uh, me and him uh, have become very good friends. So 
even though they know that I really don't like metal at all. <laughs> even and, Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> and they're, they're like, uh, you know, they never try to play me music or anything like that, but no effects, uh, is their favorite band. So, uh, you know, I called them up to see if they wanted to play in the song and they were stoked about it. Yeah. I think it's really cool that that happened because I think it just really goes to show that no effects has literally inspired so many different people in different genres. It's just like a, it's, it's just amazing to see that. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And, and, you know, Vince Sevenfold, their lyrics are hidden. They, they sound uh, shrouded a little bit, but uh, their singer is a very intelligent dude. And, and he, we are, we're always talking politics and his lyrics are very smart. If they don't sound that way, the meaning behind them is deep. And uh, it's one of the things I respect about him a lot and his band. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sam wants to know, what's an average day like for you living a sober life? Uh, I do yoga almost every day. My girlfriend is a yoga instructor and a life coach, and she kind of has me on uh, a routine. You know, lots of uh, leather, fun leather stuff. <laughs> Good morning. Do you, you know, do? Maybe, maybe uh, you know, like our breathing exercises are a lot different than most people's breathing exercises. <laughs> Ours comes with her not letting me breathe, and sometimes I can breathe, and that's how we do it. Uh, and uh, I, like to, I, I had a neck injury recently, paddleboarding, and so I've been not able to exercise as much as I'd like to. But you know, I like to normally I ride my bike, you know, t- ten or twenty miles a day, five days a week. Uh, you know, lunch, writing songs, the, uh, and and recently I just I record a lot. I write a lot, and I have a studio in my house. So uh, my life hasn't changed too much with COVID. I don't, you know, obviously I don't go out, right? But uh, things at my house are pretty much how they always are. Right now it's different. I'm in uh, I'm in Bend, Oregon, right now. I'm about to go snowboarding. Oh, nice, nice. And, uh, I came up here to uh, talk to some investors because I'm opening uh, something called the Punk Rock Museum in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, okay. Wow, that sounds cool. So, it, you know, every every day I'm talking to, to people about giving us stuff, and mm-hmm. we're just getting the coolest stuff. And uh, we got a building in escrow right now, and hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have uh, we'll be up and running the first uh, punk rock museum. So is this going to be like a, a pop-up thing or is it like a permanent thing? Oh, it's a permanent thing. We're, we're buying the building, 12,000 square foot building. That's awesome, man. That just gives me another reason to go to Vegas. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, badass. It's, just, uh, it's, it's magical. Yeah. Things we're getting. It's about time that someone did that. And I'm glad it's you because that's a great idea. But it's not just me. Yeah, I, I thought of it and uh but it's you know, I got the Stern brothers who do punk rock bowling 
and uh, you know Fletcher from Pennywise, and I'm calling different people from bands because it's not. I want you know 25 people uh, who are founders. I want this to come from punk rock, you know. And I got Lisa Brownlee from the Warp Tour, uh, and I got Brian from the Nightbirds is curating, and Kathy Mason, and uh, just a, a lot of different people are helping. And uh, I got oh, uh, Alan Snodgrass, photographer, and Allison Braun, the photographer, and I just keep getting more and more people, and it's incredible. Every day we just get new stuff, and it's it's just it's very exciting. Yeah, that's... and it's it's not going to be like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You don't have to be inducted. You just have to be a punk band that mattered to someone at some point. I was going to say, so is it is there going to be like a Hall of Fame kind of thing, or is it just like a museum no. that you get to see? It's a museum, and things are going to get switched out, and it's it's, it's it goes by year. There'll be somewhere close to forty different rooms where uh, each room is a different year. That's awesome. I like and, that. Uh, you know, and you know, we got handwritten necros lyrics. You know, oh, wow. when, we're not. This is not about the bigger bands. It, it's very inclusive, and uh, the artifacts that we're getting are, are not. What you know, it's not about getting guitars. Although we are, uh, Jerry only is giving us two different Misfits guitars, which is awesome. <laughs> I mean, you got to have uh, some guitars in there. Yeah, but they have to be special. They can't just be, you know, a Les Paul signed by someone. Mm-hmm, right. Like like the Gimme's guitars from uh, one of our albums. Mm-hmm. Where they're like silver and they were handmade and they look like spaceships. That's uh, awesome. You know, we're going to have one of those guitars. But mm-hmm. I'm more interested in, you know, getting the beer can that hits someone in the head at a show. <laughs> Man, that that's going to be uh do you have something like that? Oh yeah, we have uh Hefe got hit with a uh, a bloody syringe once in in Denmark at a show. Someone threw it on stage and uh it, it didn't hit him with the needle side, but it hit him and he picked it up and goes, "What the fuck?" So, yeah, and we saved it. That's going to be in the museum. See, that's something that you would not think of like saving. Like how, how did... well, because we want I want it this it's it's about stories. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about it's about showing how cool punk is and what what matters to us. Mm-hmm. And and like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we are the exact opposite. Right. It's gonna be obscure. Right. Obscure stuff and it's it's to make you know, people, punk rock changed so many people's lives and, and saved so many people's lives this museum is going to be for them. It's not for the masses. Right. Awesome. Well, I can't wait until that opens. Yeah, it'll, it'll be this year. We're going to open when Punk Rock Bowling opens, hopefully. Oh, okay. That's usually in the fall, right? Uh, it's usually in May, but they're changing, oh, this May. year they're, try, they're trying to do it in September, October. Yeah, that's what I would think, just because it seems how everything's looking at this point. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Um, I truly, truly appreciate it. I know you're a busy dude. So um, anything else before we uh, close out? No, I, I appreciate the interview. I, I got to get my snowboard clothes on. Sure. Yeah, it's have fun, man. It's a powder. It's powder day today. Awesome. So.
Yeah, be yeah. careful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it's just like like you were talking about your paddleboard injury. Like, like I, did you just you fell on it a certain way on your neck? No, no. I was just uh, I went out for like two and a half hours in the ocean, and we went so far. And having to come back, it's just I really overworked my muscles. Okay. And my muscles tensed up, and it pulled my neck in a certain way. And I started getting no feeling in my hands. You know, oh, wow. like, really weird. And so I've been going to a chiropractor for two months and it's, I'm starting to get, it's almost gone now. Oh, that's so. good. That's good. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, have fun snowboarding and can't wait to hear another album <laughs> later this year after we hear, you know, single album. And then I'm really excited about this, this punk rock museum. Yeah, it should be great. If anyone out there is listening and you have something that you think might be appropriate, you know, let us know. Yeah, I'll get the word out, man. That would uh, cool. that would be great. Awesome. Right, well, thanks for the interview. Yep, thanks, Mike. Later, Doc. Yep. Bye. I walked into the Eagle and someone called me sis. I said, I'm not a sis, I'm a sissy. Should I call you Mr. or Miss? I said, I'm actually a trans but before I got to tight, the place erupted into my first gender. Pronoun bar fight. A ginormous thank you to Fat Mike of No Effects for taking time out of his day to talk with me. Hoping the uh, snowboarding went well, Mike. And uh, also a special thank you to Melanie KPR for setting up this interview. NoFX's brand new album, single album, is out now via Fat Records. You can find it on all streaming platforms or better yet, buy physical copies at fatrec.com. And uh, this episode of Pop Punk and Pizza has been sponsored by Philadelphia-based band Cheer Up Dusty and their upcoming single, Late Bloomer. A clip of Late Bloomer by Cheer Up Dusty. You can find the song on all streaming platforms come March 12th. Please follow the band on social media at Cheer Up Dusty. If you're in a band or you have a business or maybe you have an event coming up and you would like to sponsor an episode of the podcast, you can go to poppunkpizzapod.com forward slash sponsor for all the details. I'm Jacques Lamour and another incredible episode in the books with you. And none of this, none of this would have been possible without your love and support. And I will never take that for granted. And I hope you know how thankful I am uh, for that. And uh, in case you're brand new to the podcast, feel free to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're on all the major platforms. And please leave a positive rating and review. You can also catch up on previous episodes at poppunkpizzapod.com. There's also merch there, our contact information, mailing list, 
uh, at poppunkpizzapod.com. All that stuff is there. If you want to stay in touch on social media, you can find me at poppunkpizzapod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, We do have a Facebook group as well. I always forget to plug that at the end of episodes. Uh, The Facebook group is called Pop Punk and Pizza Club. And uh, just uh, request to join, and uh, I'll accept you in that. Now, the next time we eat pizza and talk together is going to be in just a few days. This Thursday, March 4th, with Haley Kane of Haley and the Crushers out of California. Another really great conversation that I had. Um, We actually got into some deep conversation about things completely unrelated to Haley and the Crushers or music. Um, It it was, I don't know how to describe the conversation. It was, it was really interesting and I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing it with you. So I will talk to you in just a few days. Love you lots. Hey, hello. It's nice to meet you. Hey,